but the race absolutely should go on ahead. There are hot days and you have to deal with it. These are professional athletes. Katie presenting the other side of the argument. Am I, am I, am I, am I, judging by her expression. <laughs> am I too much of a, oh, suck it up, rub some sand in it. I don't mean to come off that way, but I, I, I yeah, I, big I, shut up and dribble vibes for me right now. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> what I never said that. Speaking of getting the party started. <sighs> for the victory lap, though. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should suffer come. What for? Train in the trees, please walk my sycamore. It's time for another episode of the Gridiron Podcast, and I almost choked on my own spit there. It's episode 17. We've been gone for a few weeks. That's my fault, but we are back, and we're here to discuss a whole lot of things here on the Gridiron Podcast, where we discuss football and Formula One. I'm Nick Shook. If you're watching on YouTube or on Twitch, that's Katie Caldwell, and at the bottom of the screen is none other than the man pipes himself, the golden pipes, Sean Barry. Folks, Florida man, how are we I, doing tonight? I, how how many nicknames am I up to now? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, Barry how Tone. are you? Yeah, Barry Tone. Cream. There's Ooh, a litany of names. Hate that one. <laughs> I didn't make it up, uh, but I. I am so excited to be back with you guys. And we did get some notes from listeners saying, where have you guys been? So we are deeply sorry for the break, but I'm really happy to be back with you guys and our loyal, lovely listeners. I'm really happy that someone actually felt the need to tweet at us and say, hey, it's been a while since you've had an episode. Where are you guys? Like, (laughs) oh, people are actually listening. Yeah. Sean sent a text and he was like, they care about us. They miss us. I was like, who? (laughs) They, 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 they do the scores of people that listen to us around the world. The loyal listeners uh, of Edmonton, Canada. Good evening, Canada. We love you, even though you've had to hear the same episode for the last two weeks. Do you know which province Edmonton is in? Alberta. Okay. Okay. Don't. I hear Edmonton, Canada, and I is it like? Do I really have to say Edmonton, Alberta, Canada? That's like saying you know Tampa, Florida, USA. Like that just sounds monotonous. That's why I think we can just do Edmonton, Alberta. But a lot of our listeners might not know where Alberta is. <laughs> like me, <laughs> we're doing great. You give you give <laughs> Nick a map, a blank map of the provinces of Canada. He'll probably get like one, maybe two. No, I'll name them after cities because that's all. Nova Scotia. <laughs> I don't know. Not a city. Famously not a city. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's not a city, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll just throw them up there. It'll Is be Nova like... Scotia on the east or the west, Nick? It's on the east. Okay, good. He knows that. I got that. Wow. Thank you, Trailer Park Boys, for helping me out with that. <laughs> it is episode 17, and as we said before, a lot to discuss in football and Formula One. We always start with football, and we're going to continue with football here tonight. But there is a whole lot of F1 to discuss, so stick around for that. Um, and some crossover news as well that we will get to. And a friendly reminder, if you like what you hear or see or both, feel free to give us a review. Five stars. Five stars only. That's all we'll take. Otherwise, we'll no, I'm just kidding. We won't wipe you off of there. I don't even know how to do that. Uh, but we would appreciate <laughs> your reviews. It helps us. Uh, with visibility as we continue to try to grow the Gridiron podcast from our current humble beginnings to something much greater down the road. So, folks, why don't we just get right into it? NFL just finished off 
week six. I cannot believe it was. it's already week six. We're going into week seven now. We're a third of the way through this 18-week season. It feels like just yesterday I was watching the Lions and the Chiefs from my future mother-in-law's couch in Oakland, California. And It feels like just yesterday we were doing our division breakdowns and like we're waiting for training camp to start and now here we are you know six weeks through the season already uh time flies when you're having fun but i feel like we're having fun this nfl season i feel like there's enough parody to go around yeah this was a good week for parody actually sean this was the you know in college football you get separation saturday where Sometimes you get a separation between contenders and pretenders based on some big-time matchups, big-time teams fall, that type of thing. It felt like the opposite in the NFL, which we get this type of week once or twice every year. Put your Penn State hoodie away. Let's go. No, you're going you to lose in Columbus this weekend. I haven't even I thought about know. the game yet. That's where I am with my work schedule right now. I haven't even thought about Saturday yet. You know why, Sean? Because I'll be at Kent State University for homecoming on Saturday. All right. I thought homecoming was like two weeks ago. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was last weekend, and then I checked, and it's this weekend, but I've been. I hope we get a win for you, Nick. We won't. I don't even, I'm not even going to go to the game. We're We're terrible. We're probably the worst team in in the FBS, but Ohio State's going to beat Penn State, so you can take that to the bank now and take that hoodie off while you're at it. But as it pertains to the NFL, some upsets this week. The Eagles lost. The 49ers lost. There are no more undefeated teams which is why we should go right into our winners and losers from week six. And we'll start ladies first chivalry still lives, at least on this podcast. Katie, we need your winner from week six. My winner is the jets defense. Yeah. That was a fun watch. So they held the Eagles to 14 points and that is without sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, as well as some other folks. Plus four in turnovers too, for the jets. It was unbelievable. And this is the thing, though, is it's not just a one-off. They're consistently forcing takeaways. They're not really allowing a lot of offense on the other side. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen combined for three touchdowns and eight interceptions against this Jets defense. I just love what Robert Sal is doing with, with this team. I think their defense is really, really special. I also love that he's talking his shit right now. Yeah. Let's hear what he said, where he said, they've played a gauntlet of quarterbacks that they haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed them all. I mean, I think Dak Prescott's got something to say about that. He, He was 31 for 38 for 255 and two touchdowns against them. Didn't really embarrass that guy. I agree, but I just love that he's out there talking his shit about it. Well, you know, you know, he likes to they talk. They do look good. You we know, knew he, this. We knew this Jets defense was going to be good. Like we knew this team was going to be good. It's just all of that kind of hinged on you know Aaron Rodgers having a functioning Achilles tendon. Now that that's gone out the window, um, yeah, I mean, like a winning record, the playoffs still, I guess, isn't impossible for this team with, with Zach Wilson last year. They were a playoff contender, you know, up until the last couple of weeks of the season. You know, another year stronger, smarter, wiser, not with Zach Wilson, but like with the defense, with the rest of the team. It's not impossible that this team is fighting for a seven seed there later on. Well, right now they're third in the AFC East, but if you put them in another division, they're in last place in the AFC North, they're in second in the AFC South. And they're in second in the AFC West. So they're right in the middle of the pack. But that's better than what we thought they'd be after losing Aaron Rodgers. I mean, when they lost Aaron Rodgers, we thought, season's over. I mean, the defense will keep them in every game, but they won't win them. And they are finding ways to win. And the defense really carried them here. Uh, with this close victory, 20-14 to 14 was the final 
over the Philadelphia Eagles. But guys, I want to flip this real quick because I know the Jets are a winner here and they deserve their flowers, which I think we're giving them that right now. But undue, unfair criticism has been levied against Jalen Hurts. Statistically, three interceptions looks bad. But if you go back and watch the game, only one of those interceptions was really on him. Unfortunately for the Eagles, it was the costliest interception of the day because it set up the Jets' go-ahead touchdown and put the Eagles in a spot where they had to go down the field and try and tie the game or take the lead and weren't able to do that. But to say that, and this is me on my soapbox, fully acknowledging that, to say that Jalen Hurts has been a disappointment is you telling me one of two things indirectly. One, you're not watching him play. Or two, you had unrealistic expectations for a guy that finished second in the MVP voting last year, which is possible because he was so close to winning MVP. But from what I've seen from week to week, this has been a guy who has played really well. It's just that statistically, it's only looked good in two games, really their last two wins before this loss. Even in this game, he actually was pretty good, except for those turnovers. The first one was popped out of his intended receiver's hands after he caught it. Um, just, you know, sometimes the ball bounces the other team's way. So... I just want to put it out there right now. And, and I wrote about this in Keeping Index, and I'll say this until the end of time. Leave your Jalen Hurts criticism to the side right now, because if you don't, you're going to be showing your ass, and I don't need to see that. Okay, nobody wants I, to see that. Nobody. I think, Nick, you were kind of spot on there with the latter. Like maybe there, the expectations were too much, not just for a guy that finished second in the MVP voting last year, but for a lot of these young quarterbacks right now. Because yeah. if you think about it, everyone – that's talking about the NFL, writing about the NFL, they are now, you know, our generation. They're now those millennials in the, in the 30 to 40 age group. We grew up with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, uh, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Like we grew up with legends of the game. And it seemed like they were just automatic every single week. Uh, what Ben became, I think, the second or first quarterback ever to have six touchdown games back-to-back, back. like that's what we grew up with. Outside of Patrick Mahomes, who 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 is that automatic? Who is that, you know, potentially legendary in the NFL right now? Maybe Jalen Hurts down Josh the road. Allen. Maybe, maybe Josh yeah, Allen and down I can, the road. But I can make maybe Tua down all those the road. Guys. But I think we're expecting too much of these young guys right now because we were used to seeing it for so long. And that's okay that we're not seeing it right now. we got to let these guys grow a little bit. But – I mean, in the case of Josh Allen, in the case of Tua, in the case of Justin Herbert, Katie, kind of, kind of show <laughs> Look at me, me like that. You know, put up or shut up. Show me now. But no, I think you're right, Nick. The, the criticism. I mean, no, the I, Eagles I, are still a good team. You know, Hurts is still a good quarterback. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a very astute observation on your part because that's kind of what I came to the conclusion of last night finishing up QB index was like, man, there's just nobody who's really separated himself. Like even Tua, who's having a great year statistically and everything else. And the dolphins put up a ton of points uh, against the giants last week. He did not look fantastic. They won that game, but he had a couple of pretty bad turnovers in that game. So nobody has been, you know, you know, risen above the rest. Nobody's been on an absolute heater through six weeks. The offense just feels like it's a little bit behind the defense. And, and we, this is now the, probably the second year in a row that we've seen this from most NFL teams. Josh Allen struggled mightily against Wink Martindale's defense, the Giants, in that Sunday night game before they started to figure it out. He didn't have a great game by any stretch of the imagination. He had a bad game against the Jets to open the season. Nobody's strung together five or six games of not perfection, but excellent play. And, and so I, I think we do have to just kind of lower the expectations on guys right now because even Mahomes, even Mahomes who – is it been in my top two in the QB index this whole year? Um, has not been like overwhelmingly impressive. 
he's had some games where he's found a way to win. You know, the win against the Broncos, I think he had 300 yards passing on 20 or 30 or something like that. And and yet it didn't look visually really that pleasing. Yes, yeah, 306 on 30 or 40 passing. And and it's like, it, our, let's stop expecting these guys to be superheroes and just let them do their job is what I'm going to say yeah. more than anything. Well, so. well, we're never going to do that because this is the age of social media and every clip is posted immediately. Yes, it is. And and everybody's trying to go viral and taking the hottest of takes in every situation, whether they're former players or analysts or people on the internet. All right, Sean, who's your winner from week six? Uh, my winner, uh, I'm going to go to the Motor City, uh, Jared Goff. Words I never thought I would say again um, after that Super Bowl loss, but Jared Goff, dare I say, is playing at an MVP level. Mm. He's fifth in the league mm. in passing yards, 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. Uh, he's got a 105 quarterback rating. I mean, he is a man reborn and obviously that's a really good offense he's in but just he trusts his weapons he looks comfortable i mean he looks better than right now he looks better than he ever did in la and if you're a detroit lions fan that's a very good thing for you and i'm happy for you dare i say because i mean the lions have always been just the bottom of the barrel in the nfl for my entire life like that was a constant like the Browns would have okay years. The Cardinals were bad for a while, but it would have okay years. The Bengals, they have risen to the top now. But for the love of God, it's always been the Lions. Now that they are enjoying some success, I'm, I'm happy for them. I can't you know, help but feel happy for them. And Jared Goff is certainly one of the big reasons why they are so successful this year. And they look – they. I don't want to say they're a they're, they are a Super Bowl contender. The yeah, way they're playing right it. now, they're a Super Bowl contender. Say it, absolutely yeah. say it. I think you're completely right. He's ranks fifth in passing yards right now with 1,618. He's got an 11 to three touchdown interception ratio, and he's got a passer rating that's deserving of the top three in the NFL. And what he's doing is playing clean football. He's operating yep. within that scheme and executing it as intended, and he's not making mistakes. It's they're they're fun to watch. They're not like the most well oiled machine offensively. They run into their ruts and their struggles sometimes. I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, I don't even have to worry about him making a big mistake anymore. Like, it's not like you go into a Jimmy no. Garoppolo game and you're like, well, there's the bad Jimmy interception. You knew that was coming. Like, he's beyond that. He's playing the best football of his career and the Lions are benefiting from it. So I totally agree with you, even after we just said, hey, lower the bar. I, I You're right. Outside shot at an MVP right now, especially if they keep winning games. The Lions, by the way, on fire, on yes. fire, going back to last season. When I looked at that Lions roster heading into the season, I looked at Jared Goff as just, okay, they're so complete and they're so balanced that he just has to play well enough that he's not losing them games. He's playing really, really well. He's totally exceeding my expectations. He's been winning them games now. Prop, like proper winning them games. Yeah. It's so fun to watch because you're right, Sean. I just always remember the lines being awful. And then every time you have to watch them on Thanksgiving, it's like, get me out of here. Yeah. Firing to the sun yeah. right now. Here comes the early lions game. Like, like the lions out. are like one of the only NFL teams that I like. I, I have no strong opinion whatsoever about, but you're right. Every time I watch them Thanksgiving, it's I'm forced to watch them. Like I'm not going to watch football after I've just stuffed my face with Turkey and stuffing. No, I'm going to watch football or take a nap. But you feel bad for them. You would wind up taking a nap usually. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to anymore. Yeah, That's exactly. a great thing. That's and Jared true. Goff is a big reason why. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And you got a first uh, hand look at him when they beat the Buccaneers over the weekend. So, yeah. Good yeah. for you, Sean. I, I'm happy for you. Uh, my winner is going to be the Browns defense. They scored an upset win over the Niners. 
And we're happy to roast everyone who picked against them, including myself on social media. I deserve it. I'll take that. Happily take it. Uh, they managed to hold the Niners to 17 points. They put Brock Purdy in hell in the second half, specifically in the third quarter. And they almost single-handedly won that game for the Browns, save for not scoring a defensive touchdown. Um, they, they did everything in their power to give the Browns a chance, even with P.J. Walker playing quarterback. And through five games now, six weeks, they have entered the ranks of historically great. They have allowed the third fewest yards in the first six weeks of an NFL season dating back to 1970. 1,002 yards allowed through their first six weeks. That includes the bye, so five games. Uh, only two teams have allowed fewer, and those were in 70 and 71, I believe. So it's been a long time since you've seen a defense this effective. The only thing that they haven't done is get takeaways, which makes me think if they do get takeaways, I don't know where this team could be headed. Because if Deshaun Watson ever comes back, and they actually figure out how to be a competent offense, things might be looking good in what is a really tough division. I am not on board with them entirely yet. I just don't trust them yet. But when you have a defense like that, much like the Jets, it's going to give you a chance to win every game. And so far, they have capitalized more often than not. So I'm going to be interested to see how they go from here. But that's my that's my quick recap on a winner there. I don't know if we even need any further elaboration. So you guys have Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you guys know this, but my girlfriend born and raised in Cleveland, she is a Browns fan, but like she doesn't watch the games and she basically relies on me saying, Hey, the Browns won today. Hey, the Browns lost today. When I said, Hey, the Browns won today, by the way, she goes, I know against the Niners with a third string quarterback. I'm like, Oh, oh so you're paying attention now. <laughs> that's Nick. That's how good this Browns team is. You're forcing fans that really don't even care to pay attention. That's a good thing, right? Wow. Yeah, that's remarkable. I mean, Bridget will text me during the game and be like, ooh, this is a spicy game like she did on Sunday. But to hear Aaron get completely on board, I mean, next thing you know, Sean, she's going to be wearing McLaren gear around the house. You're going to have her on board with everything. I don't know what uh, yeah, favorite I know. TV I'm show to, I'm, is. I'm trying to I'm trying to get him in, uh, get her into Tottenham Hotspur now. It's, it's not going as well as it is with Formula One, but you know, yeah, one step at one a time. One step at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, one sport at a time. One one country at <laughs> yeah, a time. Yeah. Indoctrination <laughs> takes a while. Just ask right. leaders; they'll tell you that. Let's go over to the losers. Of, yeah, <laughs> seamless transition here. Seamless transition. Losers of the week. I 80. didn't expect to hear the word indoctrination on today's podcast. Or cult leader. Well, I do yeah. live in Florida. Yeah. Very fair. That's the state of indoctrination. <laughs> Katie, who's your loser from week six? Uh, the Patriots offense. And that's not necessarily just one? for week six. <laughs> exactly. I find them so painful to watch. I wasn't super excited about them heading in, but I thought there would be some bright spots. Like I was pretty high on Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson heading in. And he had a 15-yard run on Sunday, and the announcer said, that was his longest run of the season. And I went, God, it's week six. <laughs> like, 15 yards shouldn't be your longest run of the season, Ramondre. <laughs> but I thought Devontae Parker would have more of an impact. Their offensive line looks offensive. <laughs> it looks really bad. Mac Jones, I do not think, is a serviceable quarterback. They've got a ton of injuries. I just watch it and I feel sad. Like when I watch Red Zone on Sunday and it goes to the Patriots game, I'm like, how do I just like unsubscribe from this this one matchup? But <laughs> and it's not going to get better. They have the Bills and the Dolphins coming up. Yeah, like, I hate it. It's <laughs> it's going to get real ugly for them real quick. Now, my my biggest As, issue with this, Katie, is is the whole narrative that's going to be around Belichick because 
it's already crept up in the last couple of years. Belichick's nothing without Brady. And it's like, dude, the guy won six Super Bowls That's with the such Patriots. BS. He's got yeah. eight yeah. rings. He won two with yeah. the Giants. Like, it's one of the greatest defensive minds in football history. Maybe the game has passed him by a little bit, or maybe he just didn't luck out with their replacement selection for Tom Brady. Two years ago, we were pretty high on Mac Jones. Last year, it was the offensive coordinator or lack thereof. That was the blame for why they struggled. Now they have an offensive coordinator, and they just can't figure it out. And if, if I have one way to explain it from watching every one of these games, their offensive line is not good. It's been a rotating cast of characters. They can't protect him. He's tasked with doing too much. He tries too often to be the hero. And he's Mac Jones. Like, he forgets that he's McCorkle sometimes and, and you know, has that awkward walk to the draft podium and everything else. He's not the most athletic guy. He's trying to be a superhero, and, and it costs them. But it also doesn't help that your best receiver from last year went to Vegas and is doing better with Vegas than he ever did with you. Like, he has no options. To, you thought Juju Smith-Schuster? Sean, sorry. I know this might be a personal. Soft oh, no, please you. continue. You thought he was going to be the guy? You thought Devontae Parker was going to be the guy? No. This is just this is on the organization as a whole. They do have some talent, but again, it starts in the trenches. Offensive line's not there, then you're going to struggle, especially with a quarterback who's not a game-changing quarterback. Their rankings right now, 27th in yards per game, 26th in rushing yards, 22nd in passing yards at a whopping 199 passing yards per game. Not good enough, and I don't see them getting any better at all. Look, you, Nick, you said uh, they have some talent, but not much. I mean, really, but 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 not much. And I think that all does start with Bill Belichick. He is the coach slash GM. And you may have a point, and I know this is going to be the talking point for the rest of the season as the Patriots continue to spiral because it is not going to get any better. Um, they'll be lucky to finish with four or five wins. But maybe the game has passed him by a little bit. But at the same time, you need someone in charge of the roster to say, hey, we need a true number one wide receiver. We need a running back who doesn't take six weeks to break for 15 yards. We need a competent offensive line. And I don't think that Bill Belichick has exactly put his thumb on the pulse of football enough to make that happen. If you want Bill Belichick to be your coach until he decides to retire, that's fine. Like, he deserves it. He got you six rings. Like, you could be bad for 10 years. I don't care. It was worth it because you were great for 20, 25. But when you don't have a competent roster, and they really don't have one right now, that's a problem. There needs to be a GM in New England that at least, I mean, at the very least, the blame can then fall on him. I don't, um, I don't see him lasting that long if they are bad for like five years, because I don't think Robert Kraft has that type of patience. And this but is, I don't think he's going to get rid like, I don't think Kraft's going to get rid of him this yeah, year. It's, an, it's an encouraged retirement at some point. I just, it, it's kind of a bummer. Like everybody got tired of the Patriots being good. Brady left. They started to be not good. And, but now we're at the point where it's kind of sad, but you're right, by the way, uh, four or five. I have, I have absolutely no sympathy though. Just, just <laughs> everyone. Just, I have no sympathy. For Boston fans right now. About the Steelers too, Sean. Are they, are Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick right now the helmet Marco and Sergio Perez of the NFL? (laughs) Now that. That smile. That that smile. crossover. That you put on on display there before making that statement. Very justified. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm not going to fire. I'm just going to gently push you and encourage your own I'm going to make some bad public comments about you and, <laughs> and I'm just going to you, you know leave. drop some rumors that you're retiring that maybe you will retire. I'm also going <laughs> to uh make a terrible statement about uh your 
region of origin as to why you can't drive well. Now, that's something Robert Kraft wouldn't do. He's not eh, uh, as as he wouldn't put a lot past as loony Robert as as Helmet Marco is. I'll give him that credit. <laughs> uh, Sean, who's your loser for week six? Um, it's a piece of clothing, Nick. The Bucks creamsicles. They brought back the creamsicle jerseys for the first time since 2012. They tweaked the color a little bit. I used to hate those jerseys because they I, I, they looked terrible. The way they were shiny and they were almost like yellow. They weren't even creamsicle. Well, they fixed them. So now they are more, it's technically Florida orange. It's more creamsicle. I mean, I love the Bucko Bruce logo. I love how they did up the stadium. Everyone that like, dude, all last week. Everyone around town was wearing creamsicle. It was really cool. It was almost like a celebratory game to get waxed by the Lions. But <laughs> I, I, I read the stat, and I believe it was 101 and 293. That is now, or now 294. That is now the Bucks record in creamsicle jerseys. 101 wins, 290-plus losses yeah i mean oh, they no. were historically so, bad for a lot of their they, um, existence yeah, before I mean, the late 90s up and in fact up until tom brady came to tampa they were statistically the worst franchise in north american sports history they had the that's lowest even winning with percentage. their success in the late 90s correct that's wow. even with their success of winning wow. one they won a super bowl yeah uh, yeah uh, even with that, they were statistically they had the worst winning percentage, only slightly worse than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now they are slightly better than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, but in that was the weird thing too when when we kept covering that the creamsicle was coming back, the creamsicle was coming back. Everyone kept asking, "Yeah, but like they never won in those things. So why is everyone so excited to see these jerseys back? Like." They were never good in these jerseys. It's like the Eagles and the Kelly Green. They were never that good in these jerseys. Like, the Eagles alone Super Bowl is in the Hunter Green, the Dark Green. The Bucs, their two Super Bowls are in pewter and red. Like, why are we so excited to see a color where we were statistically the worst come back? And, I mean, it was cool. It was still fun to see. I mean, great. Aesthetically great with the Honolulu blue and the creamsicle orange. I mean, it, it looked amazing great uniform you know on tv yeah oh, i, I thought it. it looked awful oh i loved it oh i love when i see a loved photo it. of the jerseys i love the color of it i love the whole aesthetic and when it was on the tv it made me feel really sad oh no icky. i loved it i loved it but uh it I, looked kind of sun faded like maybe it was just the combination against the the lines it was jerseys. the time of day too and the time of sunny. day like maybe if they were under the lights it would have been better probably I just thought it looked really washed out and ugh. Well, there's a reason that Very. they moved on from them. So uh, the word, you know what it was, Katie, was that the score bug at the bottom still had their current it's logo. Still, and thank team. you. That is lazy. Mm. If you yeah, ask that me, that was the problem. And I work for Fox. That's so lazy. Yeah, that was I the think problem. I'm contractually obligated to not disrespect Fox in any way. But come on, guys, <laughs> like, that's my I company. Have some <laughs> that is my company. We should have had. We had the creamsicle like logo, like ready to go, and everything. We had it for our lower thirds. We had it for our monitor graphics. We had everything creamsicle ready to go. Um, but come on, Fox. Well, I can I can say this: graphics departments are never really that reliable. I remember when I went to a Browns Colts <laughs> preseason game when I worked for the team, and they put the Browns alternate B football logo up on the scoreboard that they and the striping was wrong according to the actual logo. It was reversed, and they have not used that logo since like two thousand five. 
And I was like, why is this on the scoreboard right now? Like, what are you doing? Do you not pay attention? Come on. Another year, another situation, I saw a team put the Browns helmet up with a gray face mask, which they have also not used in nearly a decade. So graphics people are not always good. But we'll save Katie's criticism of Fox and everything that they do for Caldwell's Corner, which is <laughs> that's a uh, different podcast. That's your bonus content <laughs> that we have not yet rolled out, but you know that's in the future plans, perhaps. All right, uh, my loser from Week Six is the Colts and their future because it has become Oof. apparent that Anthony Richardson's season, which was once so promising, is going to be finished. He is going to undergo surgery and uh on his shoulder injury and that's going to end his rookie year and folks Gardner Minshew did enough to help them you know give them a chance to win when he had to play in place of Richardson and then he actively lost them the game in Jacksonville last weekend and suddenly I am wondering if the Colts have any shot of winning most of their games that are remaining on the schedule if he plays like that um it's a bummer because they were one of the more exciting teams to watch just because you don't expect much from the Colts. I haven't gone back to our division preview series, but we pretty much handed that one to the Jaguars and the Colts were making it interesting with Richardson in there because of the way he could play and elevate that offense. He is gone. Shane Steichen is stuck with a backup quarterback who lost his job in Jacksonville and was a backup to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia and is now in Indianapolis where he's going to, I don't know, do the job, I guess. And I, I, there's no upside here really. So the Colts, I'm sorry. I think you deserve better. It's a bummer. And maybe if Anthony Richardson is run a little bit less in the future, then he'll have a productive career because I really like what I saw from him so far. But uh, it's a sad end to what could have been an offensive rookie of the year campaign. Well, I think you hit the uh, nail on the head there. I mean, it, it is sad. He was surprisingly, to me at least, uh, doing adequately still lots of room uh, room for improvement but he is a rookie like i'm not gonna you know not gonna dig him too much but at the same time now you wonder okay how is he gonna come back what is he gonna look like then uh the, the whole point was you know he needed he he either needed to learn early or he needed reps early he was getting those reps early now he's going to miss them now he's missing an entire year of his career and he I kept saying this the entire time during our uh, division previews. Like, he just doesn't have the straight up, you know, football know how based on what I saw at Florida to immediately be successful in the NFL. He was kind of disproving me, which, fine, I'm, 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 I'm happy to admit that. But now that he's not going to get these reps, how is that going to set him back? Hopefully, not too much because it was fun, at least, to watch him. Mm. I think he's got it. It just looks like such a different offense. Yeah, without him. With Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yeah. And I'm such a Gardner Minshew fan, especially when we're talking about aesthetics. Like, I love a mullet. I love a Canadian tuxedo. I love the whole thing he's got going on. It just looked so dysfunctional compared to Richardson. Yeah. And, I, I don't know if you know and this. And Minshew's but, been in the league so much longer. Well, they have no running I, I don't know if you know this, problem. but Gardner Minshew yeah. and Anthony Richardson, two very different skill sets. Yeah. They're, they're oh, in charge definitely. of running the same offense. Well, I give mm -hmm. Jim Irsay and... Uh, Chris Ballard, a lot of credit for hiring the right coach to pair with Richardson, even though they hired the coach first. I think Shane Steichen did a really good job of scheming the offense around Richardson's strengths, and I think that they have a lot of potential there in the future. It's just that it does not fit Gardner Minshew, and it does not help no. when you can't run the damn football. I don't care if Jonathan Taylor is playing or not. They have not been able to run the football, including with Taylor so far, so they got to be better uh, in that department if they want any shot of winning any of their games going forward now that they have their best player is going to be sidelined for the rest of the year. Uh, all right, uh, we're 32 minutes in, and that's going to wrap up our NFL talk for the day. Kind of. Kind of. Because we do have some news 
related to the NFL and related to soccer. But we're going to save it for after America's favorite game show. Because it's mm. time for the game show that's sweeping the nation. The game show that pits two hosts against one. Puts one in the chair, in the crosshairs, tested on their knowledge of topics that they don't even know are coming. It's time for... Steve Do you know? John, today's topic with the start of the NBA season right around the corner. Oh, come on. Oh, no. Is NBA trivia. And after you roasted Katie for her abysmal performances in recent Do You Even Know segments. Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be time to go after you. Oh, this is going to be bad. I'm not a big NBA fan. This is going to be bad. First question. Do you even know what was the last team to pull off the elusive three-peat in the NBA? Sean, even I knew this one. That's saying something. It was the Lakers. Damn it. I was hoping he was going to think that the Warriors got one. <laughs> one for one. Sean, after complaining, is one for one. Now we go to Katie. Damn it. Why couldn't it have been me this week? I could have had my first ever point in this stupid game. Um, so, Sean. Hey, not stupid. Do you know? <laughs> no, sorry. It's not stupid. I've American said game many, game. many times I hope to abolish this segment because I'm bad at it, but everyone else is okay. Sean, do you know which team won the very first ever NBA game. There's no chance he gets this. Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess it's now like a defunct team. Um, no. Oh, no. It's not. So it's a current team. Like, they currently yes. play. It's not like, yes. you know, the Syracuse Crunch Comets or something like no. that. <laughs> no, the Crunch Comets. I was uh, like, there, there's, a, there's a lot the of Syracuse like, teams team with the that Nets. now went defunct. The, the Chicago Stags, the Fort Wayne Very Pistons. first, yeah, yeah, for real. Um, very first NBA game. All right, so the old, the old guard. I mean, you've got the Celtics, you've got the Lakers, you've got the Bucks. Take a shot. From half court. Um, yeah, nice. Well done. Blindfolded. Okay, hold on, hold on. Is this team currently playing in the same city? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh... No further questions. I was going to say, you didn't need to give me that, but you did. That's that Canadian hospitality, Katie. Um, Sorry. I know who he's going to say, and it's not right. Do you, though? Do you? Do I even know? Hey, let's get a move. Come on, Sean. Come on, Sean. No, 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 no. no. Hold on, know. hold on, hold on. Process of elimination here. The gears are turning. The gears are no, turning. Just say, get, it, say nope, a team. Nope, nope. The gears are turning. I'm going to go with the New York Knickerbockers. Are you kidding me right now? Did I get it? Yes. And I'm so pissed off about that. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. We gave him too many oh, clues. Oh, let's go. Let's we go. Him, we gave him too many clues. I was hoping I quit. I quit the pod. Guess. Usually I only do that when I'm the one that has to guess. And this time I'm... Okay, Sean so... Sean is threatening uh, with oh, my all-time record of two out of three, so... I'll give more context, though, if I may. The New York Knicks defeated the Toronto Huskies... 68 to 66 in the very first NBA game on November 1st, 1946. And an amazing fact about that game 
Any fan taller than Toronto Centre George Nordstrand was granted free admission. Oh. And he was he was six eight. I will tell you, like as I was thinking about that, <laughs> I remembered way back like reading something that, you know, the New York Knickerbockers played in the first game ever, and I thought Okay, like it, it has to be them because I have no idea who they played against. But I think I thought I didn't know it was Toronto. I thought it was like the Toledo, you know, whatever, you know, the Toledo Mudheads. Like the, yeah, the Dayton I, Triangles I'm like, of the NFL. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm like I, I knew the New York Knicks, but I didn't know the other team, so I just went with that. All right, John. I am so mad that you got that. Okay, go on, Nick. Well, I have a choice between two, and I was going to go with the easier one, but um, I don't think he's going to get this anyway. John, do you even know who is the all-time leader in assists in NBA history? Uh, is it... Um, oh, I, I, I don't know his name. Is it the guy from Utah? We need an don't answer that. <laughs> who is isn't it Stockton God, is that his name? Damn it. did All I right. go three for three Bonus question. you did not just sweep NBA trivia bonus question Sean two of them right here he's walked away Sean has left the pod he's going to celebrate he's cracking another baby bottle of champagne like he did oh. after McLaren won Final elimination Ooh. round, Sean. Oh my goodness! This is this, wait, this wait. Hold on, hold on. This is the first sweep. And do you even know? Yes. And I know nothing about the NBA. Or and really, much do, like beer pong, when you don't re-rack, you well, when you do re-rack, you get a rebuttal. And this is my rebuttal. Here we go, Sean. Confirm your victory right now. Who was the first team to notch the three-peat in NBA history? The. Warriors. And yeah, he misses one. Ah. He misses the bonus question. The other one I was going to go with is Sean. Do you even know who's the all-time leader in rebounds in NBA history? Uh, Bill Russell. Got to be Bill Russell, right? Nope. nope. Ah, it's Wilt Chamberlain. All right, Sean. Uh, okay. Congratulations. This is where I insert the celebratory sound that I don't currently have in my audio file library. Well, wait, because, who was the first three, Pete? Uh, it was the Lakers. Uh, okay. When they were in Minneapolis. Mm. George Mikan was the star player on that team. And then they were promptly dominated by the Celtics for the next eight years. Uh, this is where we celebrate, Sean, the first clean sweep in the history of the Gridiron Pod in David now. Katie, I think we round this out. And in this case, I did. <laughs> you did, did know. No. I am Florida man. Um, I think we round this out with... Um, by asking you, Katie, um, do you even Don't know? Don't bring me into this. Do you even know if you would ever like to do this game again? I do know, and I know that I would never like to do it ever again. <laughs> and every time that I have to be, there's been a lot of clean sweeps. They've just been of being wrong. <laughs> That's true. A lot of overs. I feel like we've Katie's at least given you history. like a half a point every time. Sean goes. At least I'm self-aware. Yeah. I try. I'm just not always that smart with trivia. <laughs> Sean goes for, with a question about three-peats, he three-peats in the first time in the history of America's favorite game show, which is now wrapping up for this episode. David, David now. now. All right, that does it for David now. And we are going <laughs> to shift gears. We're shifting gears from five to six. Keeps the rev limiter near the peak. We're going to F1. 
with a little bit of crossover news because we had something fun, fun, F-U-N. F is for friends who do stuff together and U is for you and me getting excited. N is for... Uh, I don't Anytime know. and anywhere at all. Well, down down here, in the, here in the deep blue sea. Down here at Coda, where they're racing this weekend. Formula One yeah, has true. welcomed some athletic investors, including some notable NFL players. Folks, I don't know why they chose this team in particular to invest in. That's beyond my pay grade. But a group of athletes. Uh, would you guys like to list some of these athletes as I try to find this tweet again? Um, Mr. Taylor Swift is not Taylor Swift. I only know three of the athletes, and that is Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, a boxer and two soccer players. You don't know Trent Alexander Arnold. Mr. Tottenham fan doesn't know who Trent Alexander Arnold is. Dude, I just started following Tottenham. I know who that is. Half a year ago. And I only know that from playing FIFA. I don't play FIFA. I don't play video games like period. I'm that guy. but yeah, so essentially these, what was it, six? I'm yeah, six, yeah. six investors. They invested $200 million into a company that owns a 24% stake in Alpine. And yeah, that's, that, that, that's kind of it. Everyone's like, oh my God, they're buying into Formula. Like, well, they're buying into a company that bought into Formula One. I just don't understand why Alpine is the choice. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the weird thing, too, because they already got Rob uh, McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, the, you know, I think they're actors. I don't know. But I know they own a, a Welsh soccer team. <laughs> That's a good joke, Sean. Well done. Thank you. I believed you for a half second. Um, Alpine has welcomed in a everybody. You want to buy a stake in Alpine? I think you could probably get a penny stock or something. I don't know. I don't know. At this point, everybody's putting money into it. Drum up the funds any way you can. Even with a cost cap, it's still a spending race in F1. And Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey among the six who join Alpine as investors, where they will surely discover that their money never quite produces the profit that they hope to get because Alpine is an average F1 team. (laughs) It's really funny, too, because when you look at Renault, which owns Alpine, it's it's one of the biggest car companies in the world. It's right up there with Toyota and Honda and had a, Ford. Had a and, longstanding uh, partnership with Nissan. Yeah, it, it is it is one of those huge car manufacturers, and they're. I don't know. I don't want to say this is just a publicity stunt, but I mean it is at the end of the day because like they're they're announcing all of this. Hey, look, we got Patrick Mahomes, we got Roy McIlroy, we've got Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. You know, hey, we've got all of these guys investing in formula one and it's just kind of continuing that trend that i don't i, I mean rob and ryan didn't start it when they bought Wrexham. they they kind of continued it they made it more mainstream but athletes have been buying into other sports lebron bought into the, fenway right yeah for the past yeah, exactly yes pittsburgh penguins minority owner lebron james yeah sounds weird to say but it's true um it's been happening for years now and i think this just continues the trend i do think this again says how popular f1 has become and is still becoming especially in the u.s mm-hmm. i'm glad you brought that up because christian horner was on record this week as saying um a couple of years ago they would have had to get a taylor swift they had to get a taylor swift concert at coda to get fans in the door for the usgp in texas 
Um, wow. Now he now they got her boyfriend. Now he said that he's not even sure that she'd be able to get a pass to get into the into the race, <laughs> which is obviously outrageous. She'd get a pass for sure. But now you know she can get a pass to any race because she's dating the guy who owns part of a team. You know, take that Christian. <laughs> you gatekeep for this? No chance. Alpine's gonna just right over the top. She was playing the long game. She's watched Drive to Survive, and now she wanted to get in on Alpine. Speaking of which, Katie. I was going to say, that's the perfect segue, Katie. All right, pros, <laughs> pro. More fun stuff from F1 before we actually get to what happened on the track recently. Drive to Survive is facing off with another popular Netflix series, Full Swing, which is about golfers. It's basically the Drive to Survive version of golf in what Sean described to me as their version of the match. Star athletes from a different sport play against golfers, team up, or they play with fellow star athletes who don't actually play golf, except this time, what is it? Six F1 drivers are going to team up with six professional golfers yeah, in the no, first no, no. ever. I think, what is it? It's the first ever live sporting event on Netflix. Known as um, the uh, Netflix what, what Cup. Else? Oh, that's what they're calling it? Yeah, I mean, that's maybe. not the best name Genera. ever. But I mean, I, I yeah. agree to disagree on the name. I think it's I think it's four and four. So four I think four. I know it's Lando Norris, Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, and Alex Albon, which is a great four. Um, I'm not sure how good Pierre is at golfing, but I know Lando and Carlos like they golf all the time together. Albon is a good golfer. I know that. Uh, well, I, well, his girlfriend is on the LPGA tour, so like I would hope he's a good golfer. Um, I'm surprised that they don't have Lily as one of the golfers. Like you know, maybe playing against him. Like that would have been fun too. Um, but Lando and Carlos, they're basically scratch golfers. Like they, they can actually play like they, their handicap is like two, like they can really play. Um, and then what they have, Justin Thomas, um, Colin Morikawa, who else? Uh, let's Google this. I I mean, they have big name, like big name golfers, big name drivers. Um, I'm sad Lewis Hamilton isn't doing it, but I, I like, do we think like, (laughs) Like I feel like every F one driver knows how to golf, but like I've never seen any any content of Lewis Hamilton on the golf course. So you guys, I do not like to golf swing shame because I, for one, am not electric at swinging. Oh, a golf please club. go like uh, hey, go ahead, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm guessing he is to the Gridiron Podcast. He has Name one drop. of the worst golf swings I've ever seen. He posted a video of it on Instagram and he got roasted in the comments. Oh about no. It. But that's what I had said to you guys in our group text. But and I said, I bet Lewis doesn't make the cut. He has an awful golf swing. And then I saw the list of guys. I'm not shocked that Lewis isn't there. Maybe he can be there in spirit or act as a caddy or hang out in the golf cart. He'd be great moral support. But if you've ever seen Lewis Hamilton's golf swing, He's a man of many, many strengths. I wouldn't necessarily say that his swing is up there. Is my, this, my, is is this happening the same week as the Las Vegas Grand Prix? This is November fourteenth. I think it's the week leading into it. Okay, because I think it it's is at happening the win in Las Vegas. Golf. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, at, yeah, the it's win. at the win. Golf course. Uh, I, I am curious though. Okay, so we've got four golfers, and oh, by the way, those are Ricky Fowler, Max Homa, uh, Colin Morikawa, and Justin Thomas. Four great golf, like Justin oh, Thomas, Kamarikawa. I don't know too much about Max Homa, but I also know that uh, Ricky is like they're, they're funny. Like they're gonna have a good time. Like they, they are funny, especially Justin Thomas. He's hilarious. Colin Morikawa too. 
Um, but at the same time, like I, I worry, like F1 drivers are so buttoned up. They are so, I, they know what to say. They know when to say it. Um, Lando. What? Uh, I, I think they're like Lando. You're thinking hockey players, brother. Nah, I th- yes. But like, I feel like Lando is so awkward. Like, I feel like his jokes don't always land because he's huh. just this like Muppet sounding. He is a little Muppet as Carlos calls him. Um, Should have Patrick Holmes in this. Like, I'm worried though, like because this is this is entertainment. This is for the comedy factor, the spectacle. Can the F1 drivers? Can they let loose a little bit? Can they be a little bit more fun? That's going to be the key. Like when you have Patrick Mahomes saying, "What's Josh Allen's biggest fear? A coin flip." <laughs> like on the match. Like that's pounding, the kind of content we want in, in the uh, in the golf cart. By the way, just cores after cores after cores throughout the match. That's the kind of content we want, and I feel like F one drivers are a little more buttoned up. I mean, they can't gain any weight; they can't gain a kilo because then the car will be off that weekend. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested. I mean, I'll be watching one hundred percent. But this is kind of cool that the fact that you know. Netflix is like, well, we've got those these two shows produced by the same company. Let's just merge them. It's fun that um that they're diving into live sports. I mean, that's the future of streaming, by the way. Yeah. But it's cool to see them get into it. I just think that's so interesting because a big pull for me of F1 was how much personality the drivers had. And I think Drive to Survive really leaned into that. But that because was I'm all so used edited. To, it is edited, but you still need to provide content for them to edit. Like yeah. I'm so used to my whole career came up in the hockey world where I can recite any hockey interview with just like this of any like it's so painful to watch most NHL interviews. F1 to me was so refreshing because I found that there was a lot more personality and a lot more honesty. And that's in a professional setting to do like around a race weekend. Whereas I'm really excited to see it around an event that has nothing to do with racing because I think we'll see it even more. But with this group of guys, especially, like, I'm not worried about them lacking personality with it. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm I think this pumped. is. A- I do, however, because I don't know how many of our listeners uh, also watch Love is Blind. I'm a big Love is Blind gal. I hope their live event goes a little better than the Love is Blind live reunion that was was delayed. I feel like I remember, like, I don't know what, I didn't remember what the show was. Love is Blind, that's what it was. Like, Netflix attempted a live broadcast before and it went horribly. Attempted is the keyword. Hopefully this goes better. I feel like they wouldn't announce it if they haven't fixed the bugs but you never know you never know there were so many people that tuned into it and it was delayed for hours and there was a live audience there i think mina kimes and michael jr were actually in the audience yeah which is funny um but yeah that was an absolute disaster so i'm hoping it does go a little better this time because Live TV is a lot different. It's tough. I've worked in live TV. I yeah. you guys both have too. It's yeah. just it's a different animal than anything produced. Oh, we should come up with our best bloopers from live TV. I don't know if I really have that many. I haven't done on air. I've largely just done behind the scenes with. I like how I mentioned that. It's like, oh, I haven't. Had Sean, I do any four minutes of TV a week, and I'm not even on TV this season. <laughs> what do, you, like, what do you want from me? I barely do any live TV. Everything I do is recorded too. That's true. 
I know that's literally all the TV I did was live TV. I never did anything recorded and, and they canceled my show. So I'm not here. <laughs> Money. We're all doing great. Yeah. That's how we're over here at the gridiron. Pod. All right. You're talking to you at 1204 tonight. Let's go uh, recap this race, um, which look at uh, you see the lower third here. Qatar too hot for TV. Um, really too hot for some of these drivers. My God. Uh, one of the YouTube titled videos I saw uh, come up in my feed last week was, why the race in Qatar never should have happened. Oh, please. <laughs> can I, can I go off? Like, can I go off? No, can I go off? For you a go second? off. And then Soap if box, I make maybe. after you go off, cause no, I please, have some yeah. things to go um, off. About. Let's let Sean take these... center stage here. No, don't put me on a single cam. Oh, you did. Uh, are these not athletes? Are these not professional athletes? We subject professional athletes to insane conditions year round Every time these are our gladiators, whether they are soccer players, football players, hockey players, baseball players, we ask them to play in the rain. We ask them to play in the mud. We ask hockey players to skate around on the hardest surface known to man with knives on their feet and shoot a frozen piece of rubber at each other. No one bats an eyelash, but a race is too hot for drivers and it's sad. Look, I get it. It is dangerous. But that is part of sports. That's why we tune in, because these people can do something that no one else can. And in some of their cases, they couldn't do it. That's part of the intrigue. Uh, at the end of the day, no one is worse for wear. Uh, heat exhaustion, I want to say, is a very serious topic. You should always take it seriously. Always drink water. Always cool yourself down. But at the end of the day, we are watching a spectacle to see people that we believe and we perceive to be superhuman do something that we could never dream of doing. So I'm not going to sit here and say it should have never gone on in the first place. Now, the FIA, I think it was the FIA, decided that you know they had to do three pit stops in this race, meaning they could go flat out on a high downforce track on a 105 degree day, that's a little unsafe. So that probably should be fixed. But no, the race absolutely should go on ahead. There are hot days and you have to deal with it. These are professional athletes. Katie presenting the other side of the argument. Am I, am I, am I, am I judging by her expression? <laughs> am I too much of a, oh, suck it up, rub some sand in it. I don't mean to come off that way, but I, I, I'm. Yeah, I, big I, shut up and dribble vibes for me right now. <laughs> I did not say that. What I never said that. But we ask football players to play hurt. We ask every athlete to play hurt. I'm not okay. saying, you know, Alex, or uh, who was it? Espen Ocon should have puked in his helmet. That would have been like, awesome for TV. He did. He did? He did, yeah. On lap 15, he puked in his helmet. Like, the conditions were insane. I'm can not I, saying that. This is, this is way too deep in the weeds, and this is probably not politically correct, but did they have the visor cam active in his helmet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I need to know the consistency. We know how much F1 controls the cameras on the track. So, no, I don't think they had that one active that day. Um, but, no, like, like it, I don't mean to say, you know, oh, rub some sand in it. Stop being so soft. Because that, that, that's not what I mean at all. But, yeah, sometimes conditions are tough. And sometimes conditions are dangerous. They're professional athletes. And we ask them to perform all the same because this is for something – Bigger than themselves. This is for the sport that they believe in. Appearing at the other podium in this debate, Katie Caldwell. Okay, let's fight about it. Don't put me in a single shot because I like looking at you guys. I get nervous. I didn't like that single shot. We'll give give you a two-second single shot. So Martin Brundle is under huge fire right now because he basically said the exact same thing. And a world of doctors came out and explained the psychological and physiological effects of the danger that they were under. So the phrase money talks 
I feel like we were all bystanders to that conversation. The FIA money was talking. Mm -hmm. I don't believe Qatar should be holding any F1 events for a multitude of reasons that I won't get into on this podcast. That's a different human rights That's issue podcast. Corner. But I will speak to this weekend that happened in particular. Seeing the extreme conditions these drivers were subjected to was horrific. You said it, Esteban Ocon puked in his helmet on lap 15 oh and then kept gosh. driving. Logan Sargent had and to they, retire and thank God he did. Thank God he did. And if anyone well, says anything about having him having to retire, like you can have words with me because if anyone says I'm not feeling okay, you're not feeling okay. That's fine. Yeah. That's what they said the Mr. Shut up and dribble yeah, himself. They were, they were like, <laughs> there's no shame. Oh, Katie, shut up. That is not what I said. You know it. <laughs> I know. You're putting words but in my if mouth. If you think about their helmets, they're not just like riding around on a dirt bike with a helmet. They've got their whole burn proof setup underneath there. Like when you look at a driver, get out of a vehicle, take everything off. Like there was so much material that he yeah. puked into, which is just disgusting. Lance Stroll said he passed out multiple times behind the wheel of an F1 car during a race. Alex Albon also needed medical attention. Logan Sargent, and you, as you said, retired from the race due to illness. Watching his onboard as he was trying to bring oh, his car that back, that was sad. Yeah, I that was had bad. shivers yes. because I knew something was really wrong. It, and I'm kind of going, is it is it the car? Because he would go and then he wouldn't just slow to the side. The car would just abruptly stop. And then it would kind of go again. And, it would, and I'm guessing that he was doing what Lance Stroll was doing, was passing out. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot stress that part enough. When you're passing out behind the wheel of an F1 vehicle, think about so many tracks where you go into a corner half a millisecond late and you spin out into the gravel. Like when you are driving that car, you have to be so dialed into that machine and you have to be so on for every second. Like I look at Singapore, which is one of the most physical tracks. This one was different. George Russell said the temperature in the cockpit of his car exceeded 50 degrees Celsius, uh, convert which that. is 100, on, 122, 122 degrees Fahrenheit, and that doesn't include the humidity. Uh, okay, I, also, so, I saw reports of 140 degrees Fahrenheit ooh, in some cockpit. Okay, yeah. exactly. So we can say this all we want. You're a professional athlete, whichever, whichever. The FAI came out and they said, oh, we're researching ways to improve the cockpit airflow and changing the race calendar to align with acceptable climatic conditions. Qatar should not be holding races. We saw it with the World Cup where they had to hold it way later and then players still had a lot of issues with the extreme heat and humidity there. I just think the FIA's response was not good enough. I don't think they should be racing there. It's strictly because of money. And I think, if I'm honest, you guys, I think the FIA got away with one here. Yeah. I think this could have been much worse. Somebody could have died. Somebody could have died. If there are multiple drivers behind the wheel and you're straight up losing consciousness multiple times as you're operating this vehicle beside other ones, how can we justify that, that this is okay? I totally agree. If I, if I may rebuttal, and again, I, I was a lifeguard for five years. I was trained to, and that sounds so stupid, I was, I was trained to, to look for heat stroke. I have... Uh, I don't think it was heat stroke, but heat exhaustion. Like I've had it myself. It's not fun. It's dangerous. It's scary. People die from this here in Florida. High school football players die from this. I was going to say the, the turf fields can get up to 100. Like yeah, the, the temperature is, you said, 122 or whatever it was. That, that's a football, yeah. a rubber football field. A turf field will get that. And high. by no means am I advocating for 
anyone like that to suck it up and play. No. But these are, you know, millionaire athletes. These are this is a worldwide spectacle. And what does their money have to do with it though? Yeah. No, I what what I'm saying is these are professional we we ask professional athletes all the time to overcome any odds put in front of them. I don't think F1 drivers should be any different. That being said, that being said, I do think this provides a, a point to F1. Here in America, in NASCAR, in IndyCar, drivers had air conditioned helmets. Okay. A lot of people I talked to after the fact, when they said, Hey, I heard like there was a lot of medical problems with that race. What, what they didn't know that there is absolutely no way to keep those drivers cool during the race. Cause for most of the season, they really don't need it. They're in Europe, they're in the US. Yeah, it gets a little hot, but not too bad. Um, when they're in the Middle East in the summer, yeah, it's a problem. And all they have is, you know, a liter of liquid in their car, just one liter of liquid. And by lap two, it's already warm. Um, and then some of them put some like ice vests under their racing suit that probably also by lap two is warm. They don't have any kind of cooling system. F1 is supposed to be the pinnacle of racing. I'm sure they can come exactly. up with something. Yeah, I'm sure they can come up with something. That's the problem. But to say this race shouldn't have gone ahead. I disagree with that. To say that there can't be wow. changes, I think there absolutely should be. See, I, I side with Katie because I think, you know, she said money talks, and that and that's really what this comes down to is Qatar's got a ton of money, and they were able to get a race because they have a ton of money, and they have a track that they built for, you know, this type of event. But it's negligence on the part of the FIA to let this go forth without any sort of preventative measure like you just described. Like, bottom line. If, they were if racing seeing, in Saudi Arabia last year while missile attacks were happening in that city. Which FIA, I don't FIA, think should have happened. Yeah. The FIA I is going to let them race no matter what. Happened. Okay, what's were, worse? The FIA was what's about worse? to let them race during a global pandemic. Like The FIA has done so many worse things. This is a sport that has killed countless people. I don't, so, I don't think this weekend was the worst the, worst the FIA has been. Our conclusion then is that the FIA is just generally negligent. And the only question that remains is which was worse? The FIA now or FIFA like 10 years ago? Yes. Ugh, that's quite <laughs> yes. the competition. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Fernando Alonso, this, it's like one of those not funny, funny situations, oh, but he's like, my ass is on fire. Can you pour some water, water into me when is I come to And they're like, no, we like, can't do that. We, 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 we can't, man. I'm sorry. We virtually can't do that. But he's like, my ass is literally on fire in the car. Look, I work in football where the gladiator sport is glorified for all this toughness and everything, but it's a dangerous sport. And every time, as I get older, the more I see guys get tackled awkwardly, the more I cringe than I did when I was younger. Because you're more aware of your mortality Me and too. just how fragile the human body is. But um, the NFL takes some pretty good precautions when it comes to heat safety and stuff like that. Cause they've had incidences like this in the past, you know, Corey Stringer died of heat stroke during training camp one year and they made changes, you know, they make changes in practice to prevent concussions and stuff like that. It would be gross on the part of the FIA to not make some sort of change before going back there next year. I agree. It, I think most sports leagues though, Nick, they're reactionary, not precautionary. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. If, if the FIA doesn't take any action, um, then we have a problem. Um, but for right now, I, I'm fine that the race went on because uh, the drivers could have come together and said, we're not doing this. They did not, even with the world championship already wrapped up. Um, there was no need to race that race. There's no re need to race in Austin or Las Vegas or Mexico City or Abu Dhabi, but they're going to do it anyway because why? Money talks. Money talks. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's exactly what I open up the conversation with is that I feel like we were a bystander to that conversation of money talking. Yeah. It, 
I do get exactly what you're saying, Sean, that like, I'm, I'm not shocked that the drivers didn't come together and say, Oh, we shouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sure they didn't know the extent of how brutal it was going to be until they're in the race and they're going through it. Fundamentally, I just don't think that Qatar should be holding races under any circumstances. And I felt that going into the weekend. In the summer. Especially in the summer. And then this one just confirmed exactly what I felt. It felt a lot more icky because you know that the reason they're there isn't because the track has a storied history or because of this or because of that. You know it's strictly because of money. And that's where my frustration comes in. When you see Oscar Piastri laying on the ground and saying that was the hardest race I've ever done in my life, when you know that all of that is because of money and these men are endangering themselves because of money, that's where my frustrations come in. I love how in the quite literally the cool down room after the race, uh, yeah, the Formula Formula One is in charge of all those feeds. That's why when Roman Grosjean had his crash back in um, Bahrain a couple of years ago, we didn't see any of it until five, six, ten minutes after it happened. Until they knew he was out of the car, and they basically showed you a replay. Here in the NFL, when someone goes down, I mean the camera is right in their face. We are seeing everything, and normally it's doctors working on them. It depends. They've gotten. Better. Like the Nick Chubb situation, I felt that like where they said, okay, we're not going to show a replay because they used to just show everything. But I mean, you look at DeMar Hamlin, uh, you look at uh, Deion Lewis this week. I mean, again, with the Bills, I mean, the camera was on the whole time, making sure he gave that thumbs up as he's stretchered away in an ambulance. Oh, Uh, Damien Harris. Damien Harris. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not Deion Lewis. Jesus. Sorry. Damien Harris. (laughs) That was a blast from 10 years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... F1 controls those camera feeds so strictly that they will not show you anything they don't want you to see. Yeah. Um, so maybe there was video somewhere of Estimate Ocon puking in his helmet. And they cut away from that cool down room so quickly when it became yep. evident that their world champion was in a puddle of his own sweat in the corner of the room. And that Oscar Piastri was laying down because he was so exhausted. The only one that didn't look like he was about to pass out was Lando Norris. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they cut away from that pretty quickly. And I think that says a lot about it, too. I think that's saying, crap, we don't want to make this look any worse than it is. Yeah. Everyone's FAA, fine. Let's smile. They are just icky like that, though. Like, I, I saw that when I was watching the l- latest season of Drive, Drive to Survive because there were certain things I knew wouldn't make the show, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. The missile didn't make the show, which <laughs> that's, like, one of the biggest parts of the season. And the tractor situation in yeah. Suzuka. yeah. Didn't make the show, which of course that's not going to because the FIA goes, if we're going to give you this level of access, we're not going to show our asses in this way. And that's where I am curious to see how Netflix is going to deal with this Qatar situation. You can't, you can't completely overlook this. It was too much of a storyline. You can't. No, no. And there's been too many media reports out there. Uh, I, again, I'm not, to, to reiterate my point, I'm not saying that I don't think that the driver's safety should be paramount because it absolutely should be. I'm not saying the FIA isn't shady because it definitely is. Oh, they shady. <laughs> oh, they shady, man. Let me tell you. But at the same time, uh, the race still went on. There was a winner. There was a second place. There was a podium with some very was, – was it Rosewater? Because that just wasn't spraying, whatever it was in Qatar. Uh, yeah, it probably was It was just water. evaporating. It was just like evaporating water being sprayed out of <laughs> champagne bottles. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with the race going ahead. I have a problem with some of the rules the FIA made, like three pit stop uh, minimum. That was a problem. That was that really was so stupid. Wild. 
the first time they've ever done that. Yep. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, the the race went ahead, and I, and I'm okay with that. Do changes need to be made? Absolutely. But that's what we know now. All right, let's recap the rest of the race as it was. First off, Max Verstappen wins. Secures the world championship as a driver uh, in the sprint race, not even in the actual GP. Uh, Even though he he didn't win the race, Oscar Piastri won the sprint race. He, quote unquote, won in Abu Dhabi. He, quote unquote, got the necessary points in Suzuka, and then he won in a sprint race. I mean, this is the most legitimate title he's had, and he won it in a sprint race. The biggest bummer about all of it, though, is the fact that Oscar Piastri wins the sprint race, and that's like should be the story. And instead, they're just playing a video montage of Max and interviewing Max and elevating his car on the special podium and everything to celebrate his title. Like, I get it, but I'm just like, ah, there goes Oscar Shine. Like, talk to Oscar. I don't care about Max. Oh, it was like reason number 4,000 why I just don't like the sprint race. But Max is. All of his wins are just so funny because the first one, obviously, there's like the biggest asterisk beside that, his first world championship. And then the last one was funny because he was, remember him sitting in that big, hilarious chair in Suzuka and nobody knew if he had won. And and then it was Johnny Herbert that on the microphone was like, yeah, because there was that whole point system with the rain and it was all complicated. And then with this, like you would think that it would be a situation of him crossing the line and winning the race and you're a world champion. And instead it was like, Oh my God, Oscar just won this like sprint race that like doesn't, isn't actually a proper party. It's not really a win, but cool. (laughs) And they were just on the radio like, congrats, Max, you won the title. We all knew you were going to win. You're great. Yeah, simply, simply lovely. Yeah, it was just, it was very anticlimactic, which yeah, kind of the perfect definition of this entire season, if we're being completely honest. So I guess it was pretty fitting, but that happened this weekend. Uh, Also what happened this weekend, um, Katie put this in the notes, so I'm putting it in the banner there. Lance Stroll is this dog rating on the rise. Katie, would you like to elaborate? Oh, man. So if you're a newer listener, I thought we've Canadians were about... supposed to be nice. We are sometimes. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> uh... Just questioning yourself. <laughs> yeah, really going through it there. So if you're a newer listener to the pod, we have checked in on Lance Stroll's dog rating that week, which he did start out pretty high because of the whole situation of breaking his wrists and then wanting to get right in the car and he had such a good showing and it was like, oh my gosh, is Lance Stroll a bit, has he got a bit of that dog in him? So we've been checking in occasionally and largely his dog ratings have been like a two out of 10 and usually that's being generous. This Grand Prix... Negative rating, 100 it, out of 10. I'm going to say it went up, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> it wasn't because he went in and had an amazing race. He pushed his trainer getting out of the car when he was so frustrated. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Not only that, he threw his steering wheel out of the car. Threw the wheel. A $120,000 piece of equipment, just threw it on the ground, gets out of his car, his trainer's trying to calm him down, and he pushes him and shoves him. It was such an interesting situation because I feel like here, Aston Martin had a really big opportunity to do something about it and show that he's not just daddy's sweet little boy that can do no wrong and he'll have his seat for the rest of time. In what other sport do you not get a suspension? Right. Like if they were to have said to him, okay, Lance, that was obviously deeply inappropriate. We're suspending you for one race. Wouldn't that have been good for Lance? No, I think 
I think it would have been just to say, okay, look, they are treating him like every other driver because so far all we've seen again and again and again is he's daddy's special little boy. And no matter what, as long as Lawrence Stroll is a part of that team, Lance will have a safe seat. Yeah, but the problem is- is I just think it was such a missed opportunity for Aston Martin to go, okay, let's show that he's just a regular driver for those not watching. I'm using big quotes here. I just thought it was interesting because think so many teams- in other sports, will suspend their own player for situations like that. Let me ask you this, um, and it, because it seems like the day of F1 without Lance Stroll is, is coming quickly, uh, probably by next year. When Lance Stroll is out of F1, is Lawrence Stroll's money out as well? No. I think Lawrence Stroll's money will go before Lance does, which I think could be next year. Oh. I think I think they leave at the same time, which is this offseason. Because why, why is Lawrence investing in something when his son's not in it? Like, it, Lawrence wasn't investing in Formula One until his son was in it. Mm-hmm. And his uh, son had a whole junior career before that. Yeah, I mean, but they could delay this and just let Andretti replace them. That could be a possibility. They could, but Andretti mm-hmm. wants to be an eleventh team. They don't want to be a tenth. Yeah, but Andretti wants in, and and if they, they do, they want out, in regardless. I mean, why not just sell the whole operation? <laughs> because probably more expensive than. Well, I don't know. If you're buying an entire F1 outfit, lock, stock, and barrel, is that more expensive than paying the fee to get in and using your own facilities in Indianapolis? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. It's probably close. Probably close. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to be headquartered overseas if you're Andretti. So I guess that's kind of a a turn off to making such a deal happen. But it feels like if he pulls out, who's buying? I don't know. Like, I I don't know who's buying at this point. Who's that team has always been in flux. It's always been the team that that was forced India. Yeah. Yeah. They've had so much drama. It was Force India. It was uh, Tyrrell. It was was Racing Racing Point. Point. It was everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But. Interesting take on that. I have no take on Lance Stroll because I just can't wait for him to be done. Although I, he did have a nice little pass around the outside and a nice little defense uh, when he was trying to hang on to the points and then he ended up not finishing the points. So that's Lance Stroll in a nutshell. He did. You're right, Nick. The person that earned him at least one point in the dog rating. Dog rating. Yes, I one agree. puppy paw. I suck at this. Here he, here he. Uh, the person that he finished behind, Checo Perez, who has been driving like trash for the last two months, wow. if not longer. And retirement rumors have been floated regarding his future. Folks, he is not good. Like, he's not even close to where he was. He had two five-second time penalties. The second one, he gets over the radar, or the radar, the radio. He just doesn't even respond. It just keeps driving. He does not look anything like he was the type of driver that he was before. Yeah, he finished in the points, but he's driving a Red Bull. You know, his teammate wins the race. He finishes 10th. This is not good enough. There's no way in my mind Helmet Marco aside, that Red Bull can proceed into 2024 with an expectation of being a constructors champion once again and thinking this guy is going to help us get it done. There's just not like this has to be the end for him, right? And now there's this. Well, now, I mean, read the lower third. There's a rumor that he is set to retire or announce his retirement at the Mexican Grand Prix. Others and apparently in his camp have rebutted this. Uh, I here's the thing. Can I go into a conspiracy theory real quick? Yes. I think this is all someone at Red Bull just not putting this into Checo's ear, but just putting it into the atmosphere, hoping 
that it will will, will come come to fruition. Um, he was so manifesting it. One one of one of my favorite shows growing up was Doctor Who, and there's this really cool scene where David Tennant, who's playing Doctor Who, disagrees with the Prime Minister of the UK who just killed a bunch of aliens. I know this is weird. Stick with me for a second, and he walks up to a reporter, takes the microphone, and just whispers, "Doesn't she look tired?" And then everyone in the world media is asking the prime minister, are you okay? Are you mentally okay? Are you physically okay? Can you handle this job? And she has to resign because of all the pressure because one person put it into the world that she doesn't look quite all right. Someone in Red Bull is doing something. Someone put it into the world that Sergio is about to retire. I don't think that's true at all. But someone put it out there. So now it might be. He's driving like he's going to retire. I'll tell you that. Like his skills yeah, have gone really. off a cliff. Yeah. I feel like that's also, that just shows how hard it is not to just be Max's teammate, but to drive at Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be mentally taxing, especially when, because I, I do think it's a confidence thing. Like just watching the way he drove in the race in, in Qatar, like it, he just does not have control over his abilities right now. Like it's just not there. And I think that that's like one of the telltale signs, much like, Drew Brees at the end of his career, Peyton Manning at the end of his career, even Tom Brady at the end of his career, you can just see like eh, he's not really the same guy anymore. Like I think this is the end, and I do think this is the end for Checo. And I'm really curious to see who they replace him with because Danny Ricardo's locked into AlphaTauri. Tower. Could this be a Liam Lawson seat? Uh, could we get an answer for silly season? No, it would be Daniel Ricardo. Do you think? Because I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I don't think that's I a given. I, it, it would Christian Horner would not double cross Daniel Ricardo like that. And if he does at the press conference where he introduces like Liam Lawson or Yuki Sonoda, I would just like Christian Horner to look at the camera and go, this is for Reno. (laughs) Uh, We have a new entry in the chat. Papa Popper. Good name. Says he's gone. He gone. He gone. He gone. He gone. I agree. I think he's gone as well. I just can't believe that Red Bull has given him this much grace, if I'm honest, because we've seen them be so ruthless in the past. Uh, but it's Sergio Perez. I, I this isn't like some they, young gun. No, I think it's because it doesn't really matter. If it mattered, I think they would have yeah, yeah, true. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that's different from, you know, them making a serious decision. All right, let's move on to Coda. Circuit of the Americas, where F1 is returning, and Daniel Ricciardo will probably do an interview in a cowboy hat and some cowboy boots because he loves to pretend he's an American. Spends some of his off seasons in America, by the way, out in the LA area, I believe. So let's preview. He, he is this. an honorary American. Yeah, I, we'll take him. He's a funny guy, funny cat. Uh, let's just go straight into the podium predictions. Why don't we? Right? Let's do it. Let's just do yep. it. Podium predictions right now. Katie, fire away. Do you want me to start from P3 and work up? Sure. Build the suspense. Okay. P3, George Russell. Oh. P2, Lando Norris. Oh. P1, Lewis Hamilton. Oh. No podium for Max Verstappen, Katie, going the unorthodox route and choosing the (laughs) king of Coda, Lewis Hamilton. My bold prediction just said, Max Verstappen, DNF prayer circle. You're the one leading it. Light the candles, Katie. (laughs) I just think I'm I'm sure Max will finish every race ever, but I really just need to I'm doing a helmet Marco manifestation by just putting it out there. Last year he had a few DNFs. They the the Red Bull is just so damn reliable. But weird shit happens, you guys. And if that happens, I think Lewis scoops in. He has his first win in like 
a billion days because it's been forever and it's making me sad and Team LH is going to be so happy and I'd rather just shoot for the stars and say Lewis gets his first race win in a very long time. I like it. I like it. Uh, it's it's wishful thinking, but I think that there's some very substance wishful. behind it. I don't know about George <laughs> Russell, but hopefully they don't take each other out in the first lap like they did in Qatar. Sean, your podium predictions. In P3, I've got Lando Norris. In P2, I've got Oscar Pifastri. And in P1, I've got Max Verstappen because uh, Lewis was the king of Coda, but Max is quickly sur surplanting him as the king of Coda. For my bold prediction, I've got Taylor Swift. She'll, she's going to be there, do something. She might wave the flag. She might present a trophy. Uh, she's going to be there and do something. She is busy riding the high of her heiress tour, her heiress tour movie, dating Travis Kelsey. Like, she is in, she did SNL last week. She is in the limelight and she is not going to let it go. And I think, Katie, she does know that Christian Horner said she couldn't get a pass to Coda. <gasps> and she's going to prove him wrong. So Taylor Swift will be there. She will be on camera. We will see Taylor Swift at some point. You know, Are you saying Sunday. she's a hardcore Christian Horner hater? Oh. Yes. Oh. I see what you did She's there. seeing red. Right, oh. white and blue. Oh Ooh. my God. Oh. I cannot top that, but it will mean if she's at the race that she is not going to Travis Kelsey's game against the chargers at Arrowhead stadium this weekend. So conflict scheduling conflict that she may have to deal with here. I don't know, Sean, that, oh, might, yeah. that might wreck your prediction there. We'll see. Good. We'll see. All right. My predictions podium, uh, Lando Norris in P three. I think that, um, Oscar's driving well, but I do know that this is going to be Oscar's first F one race at Coda. And, it's a tough track. Didn't stop him at Suzuka. It's a tough track. I just I'm gonna go with Lando here, especially after team orders kept him in P3 last week. P2, the King of Coda returns with a vengeance after taking himself out. Lewis Hamilton ends up in P2. And of course, Max Verstappen, P1, another victory for him, even though he has not historically had the most success at Coda. My bold prediction. The guy who may or may not be headed for retirement, Sergio Perez, finishes outside the points just like he should have last week. All right. All right. Now, final segment of the day, folks. Hate it or love it. Katie, what's your hate? My hate? Well, I was going to Katie use hates haters. Me. No, I, I still love you, Sean. I just like debating with you. I, for my hate, I was going to say you guys were the haters because I said that I thought the Jags could beat the Bills in London, and you guys roasted me for that, and they beat the Jags in London. But that's not going to be my hate. I just wanted to flex a little bit. Couple of haters. <laughs> Couple of haters. My hate is uh, the NHL banning pride tape. I just think it is absolutely ridiculous. Sean and I are both big NHL fans. I love hockey, or I should say, I'm a big hockey fan, not a big fan of the NHL. Um, but yeah, I just think they're pandering to a very small group of homophobes and it's really disheartening and it's frustrating. And there has been an amazing amount of pushback as there rightly should be to Gary Bettman. Cause that guy sucks. Concise. <laughs> I don't want to follow that because that was, uh, oh, that was perfect. That was, no, no, that was perfect. I, I, I wish I could repeat that. Um, I do know some players have started to incorporate any kind of rainbow tape onto their sticks. Kudos it's in to the them. NHL rule book that it's allowed. Yeah, good. Kudos to them. Um, mm -hmm. Just because a couple of players last year were like, oh, it's my belief. Your belief to what? To hate? Yeah. yeah exactly. Whatever, man. Um, no, bravo, Katie. Bravo. Um, my hate is um, 
I guess kind of similar. Why can't we just be nice to each other? Like, why is right? it so hard to be nice to each other? Uh, I, I I covered this story this last week, and it, it consumed all of Tampa Bay. They're, like, the local college down here is South Florida, USF, the Bulls. And it, it cropped up that there was this little wooden statue that this, this guy brings to every home game. Um, it's ugly. It doesn't look good. He's not a chainsaw carver, but he just took a shot at it. And he's been doing, he, he did this for the last 13 years. He's just been bringing this little statue to this game. Players rub its head. Um, but apparently the fans hate it. They think it's bad luck because, um, you know, USF has not been that good over the past, you know, 13 to 15 years. They had a couple of good years in there, but have mainly been pretty bad, especially lately. Um, and for some reason, they blame this guy and his little wooden statue. So I went and met him. I did a story on him and his statue. He's just a sweet old man, a cancer survivor, a grandfather who loves his college. He's an alumnus more than anything, except his own family. Like he bleeds green and gold and people are just dogging him because he just decided to make this little statue uh, that people do have enjoyment with. Kids come up and take pictures with it. Fans rub its head. Players rub it. I saw a, a former player with a bowl ring on his finger rubbing its head for good luck. Just like, what? why are you, why do you self-hate so much? Like, why can't we just get along? He's been an alumni since 1975. Why are you so mad at him? Like, and it just showed me such an ugly side of people that's like, you're rooting for the same team, yet at the same time, you want to hate each other. I don't understand that at all. If you are for me, you are with me. Yes, well said. I concur. Um, everyone love everyone. Yeah, yeah. ELE, that's the rule. the homophobes, that's... I don't want them. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if homophobes decide to love everyone, then they're no longer homophobes. True. Yeah, that's a that's a different conversation. <laughs> On Katie's Corner next week, <laughs> On we Katie's keep teasing this podcast. We talk about homophobes <laughs> and Qatar. <laughs> Wide-ranging discussion. <laughs> Open is the it? <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I actually <laughs> just forgot my hate. So my backup hate is I hate that there aren't more hours in the day because I am tired and I wish I had about two more hours every day. <laughs> that's that. That's all I got. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, oh no. I hate Penn State. You're going to lose this weekend, Sean. Big noon Saturday Onward is going to kill Onward State. All right, Katie, what's your love? Cool. My love, because cool. I... <laughs> sweet. I haven't been on the... Po I missed the last one with you guys, so it's been a while since I've been on here. So I haven't had a chance to talk about this. Jessica Hawkins made history completing her first F1 test session with Aston Martin. She was the first woman to test an F1 car since 2018. I don't know if you guys saw Nico Rosberg talk about it over the Qatar weekend. He was so giddy and he was interviewing her and he was on F1 TV talking about her lap time. And they weren't saying what it was, but then it came out that hers was much more rapid than Aston Martin's reserve driver, driver Felipe Drogovic. So she blew him out of the water and she did 21 laps and everyone is just blown away by what she's done. So yeah, there's all these jabronis on the internet saying, oh, a woman can never keep up with it. And it's a blah, blah, blah. Get out of here with that because she crushed it. And yeah, watching Nico Rosberg talk about it was so energizing because he was just like 
fanboying being around her, which I get. She's amazing. But yeah, like women have raced in F1 before. The last woman to race in Formula One, no, Formula A it was. Yeah. Was Lala Lala Lamnardi, who started 12 races between 1974 and 1976. So women have been a part of racing like for ages, but there isn't always that opportunity as we've seen again and again. And I'm a firm believer in representation matters. So when Jessica Hawkins does that and there's little girls that are in carding watching that saying, oh my gosh, I might be able to do that. I can get there. So it feels hopeful. It's slow moving, but this was a really, really big jump for women in motorsport. And it was really exciting for me. That's my love. I I thought that was so cool too. And we have someone like Jamie Chadwell who has just dominated the W series. And she now has to come over to the US and race in Indy Lights, now called Indy Next. And it's like... And man, hasn't she done enough to prove that she can like hang? Like she right. needs to race in the junior category of IndyCar. Like not taking away anything from IndyCar, but like she can hang. Like she's clearly shown that. And I, yeah, you're right. Representation yeah. matters. Uh, my love, guys, or I thought it was my hate. I thought it would be my hate. I thought I hated. Do you even know? But as it turns out, here we go. I love. Here we go. Do you even know? The first ever clean sweep. Um, do you even know? I love that, guys. I love that you love, love that. yourself for that. Thank you. Proud of you. Is that Nick too. the only one that actually likes that segment? Because I've been very open about hating it. I love that segment. I think it's fun. <laughs> Trivia is fun. I think I we're like too hard on ourselves. Night. Like the point is to like stump each other. Like I think we're too hard on ourselves about it. But yeah. That was cool. I'm proud of you, Sean. Congrats. I love that for you, Sean. My you. two out of three record holding lasted about two weeks i'm glad to be usurped by somebody like you supported by viewers like you thank you um (laughs) my my love is the support of friends and family in trying times um we were not able to podcast last couple weeks because i was not able to podcast because my dad was in the hospital um he had a five-day stay in icu there was a few moments where i thought that would be the last time i would see him and luckily um he was able to recover and is out of the hospital now and is at home and um i'm just really thankful for the support of people like you guys and uh, friends and family who were there for me in a, in a tough time um offering whatever you know is necessary with or whether whatever that would be offered whether it was necessary or not um i'm just glad to you know know people who are there for you at a time of need so i my love is you guys all right that's that's what it is i'm glad you shared that nick it's i think we could all use a little more vulnerability in our lives and i just think it's Oh, your family's so lucky to have you. We've said that before, but we're grateful to be able to be there for you because you guys have been there for me too. It's nice when you've got good friends and good support systems. Yeah, and we just happen to do a podcast together. All right, that is it for episode 17 of the Gridiron Podcast. It's a long one. We're at a mi- an hour and a half, a minute and a half, an hour and a half. We had a lot to catch up on. Yeah, we did. We covered a whole lot of topics. Hopefully you enjoyed it. As a reminder, give us a review if you like this episode. Uh, five stars only. That's all we accept. We don't accept anything. It's, we're not in control of that. But please give us a review. Give us some visibility. Tell your friends. Tell your colleagues. Tell random people on the internet who happen to like football and Formula One. Or just football. Or just Formula One. We cover both of them pretty equally on this podcast. Nick, I do have one last question for you. You said your dad for the last two weeks has been in and out of the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. He still beat me in fantasy football. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Sean, Sean, let me give you a detail here real quick. This is really getting I just, I just thought you should know that. My dad I was like, was wow, Sean. Nick said he was sick, but he's kicking my ass. <laughs> so Sean, Sean is very proud of his victories in fantasy football. He he wears the I'm belt. I'm having a that we terrible year, man. I know no proudly. one cares about fantasy. I'm having a terrible he year. He makes his girlfriend allow him to display it on their kitchen hutch or whatever it might be. Um, he's obnoxious with it, plain and simple. My dad, to give you an idea of how bad he kicked your ass, thought he was in such a bad state in ICU. This is a little bit of, of you know, a uh, little bit of humor involved in an otherwise serious situation. My dad, when he was in ICU, was in such a bad spot mentally that he thought his phone was in Spanish for three days. Those three days happened to be when he could have set his lineup, which means his team was just He beat you without setting his lineup because he literally could not read his phone. John, John, if you want an indictment of your fantasy football skills, it's there bad, it is. It's a bad year for the Killer Canes. It's a bad year for the Killer Canes. Yeah, I think uh, you need it's a new team better. name. Tough time. Tough, tough scene uh, for you. That's a... It's named after that's my grandfather, one. if you must know, Nick. Oh, well. I'm keeping the name. Now, now I'm in a tough spot. <laughs> <laughs> for Nick Shook and Katie Caldwell, I'm Sean Barry. This has been episode 17 of the Gridiron Podcast. And as always, live life in the fast lane and Coach Shook, get well soon.